It's a real honor and a privilege for me to stand here before you. I don't take this lightly. This is something that came from God and, and hear my heart. What I want to share with you, um, I believe comes from the Spirit of God. Um, I have a title, I, I, <laughs> Living a Life of Joy and Freedom Through Abiding in His Presence. And I want to share with you a scripture. Uh, just want to, yeah. Proverbs 8, 22 to 31. It says, the Lord possesses me at the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When, the, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Very apt how Solomon penned these Holy Spirit-inspired words. And through divine wisdom, Solomon was talking about the divine person here. And although Solomon was a very rich, a very wealthy person, I want to suggest he wasn't talking about himself. I want to suggest that he was talking about Jesus Christ. He was describing a person of distinct substance, a person who was one with Father God, who was the same, of the same essence as God himself. You know, way before the foundation of the earth was laid, Father God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the depth of the eternal councils, they were together. They were together, orchestrated, planning, creating a plan for you and for me. In the eternal council of God, and this scripture gives us a picture of who Jesus is, where he was, and what they were doing, the three of them, in the eternal councils. They designed in advance 
that Jesus will be the power and the wisdom of God. He will be the life and the light of the world. You were not even a speck in your parents' eyes when they designed that. And I want to share with you 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. And right through the Bible, we see that all divine revelation points to Jesus. Divine revelation given to, the, given to the prophets, given to the apostles, all pointed to Jesus. And that he was our mediator between God and us. He was sharing God's glory way before this earth was made. And in Colossians... 115, it says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And part of God's plan for this earth, for this, this creation, was to have a family. Part of his plan to have a big family. Children, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters for Jesus, heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That was his plan for you and me, which was designed in the eternal council. You know, the world wants us to think that we're here by the Big Bang. No. God had a carefully crafted plan. Carefully crafted plan. He made us. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. You and I were created with authority and power to rule and reign in this life. We have been given the authority to rule and reign in this life. And in your heart, there's a longing, a desire to simply just be with Jesus, to be with God. You know, to experience his peace, to experience his presence. That's the longing that's in your heart. And I know we pursue the things of the world. 
We, 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 we see, Dan was talking last week about going after the bigger house, the bigger car, and the bigger this and the bigger that. And it's true. The, the, the world entices us with all these things. And there's a longing in us. There's a void in our heart. And we get tripped over by the devil and the world that we need to pursue these things. But those things are not the things that's going to fill that desire, that void, that, that craving that you've got in an inside, on the inside of you. Because you have been created to belong to the family of God. Everything that we desire of God was initiated by God. It's nothing that you or I have done to have that desire in you. Because he said, let's make them like us. Let us make them like us. His family, he wanted you to have that love, that joy, that kindness, that goodness that is in God. He wanted you to have it because that's how he created you to be. And he, he you and I, we belong to him. You know, he's like the hound of heaven. He will hound you down until he found you. Wherever you are trying to hide, wherever you are trying to run away with, he will come after you with such passion in his heart for you because you belong to him. And how do we fulfill that, that desire to, to be in his presence? We cultivate a, a, abiding in him. You know, the Merriam-Webster define abiding in is to remain stable or fixed in a state, to continue in a place and to stay in that place. Today, Jesus says to you and me, to stay constant in our relationship with him. His dream before creation was that he would have a people that could live with him in fullness and abundance. I love what <coughs> Psalm 16.3 says. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Doesn't that just make your heart go boom, boom, boom? He takes pleasure in us. He wants to be with us. He designed us to meet with him. He designed us to be with him continually. You know, before, uh, in the Old Testament, Moses, you know, we know the story. Moses went to the tent of meeting met with God. God gave him the instructions for his people. The people stand far off. And the same with the priest in the tabernacle. tabernacle. They, he will go into the inner sanctuary. And the people will wait outside. And the peop, the Moses and, and the priests are the people that commune with God. 
But you and I, because of the, the words of the cross, we have direct access to him. We don't, know, we don't need a middleman. Jesus is a middleman. He's a mediator. And, and if you ever had a notion that you had to work to get to a place of relationship with God, I want to please, I want to urge you to forget that. It's nothing that you can do Matters that you've done is all what Jesus and the Father did. How you were created. He did it all for us. You know, like I said, the three of them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they were in the eternal councils. And there they decided, Jesus is going to be the one that's going to be the one that's going to come to earth Take on the, the image of man, still eternally God, but he's going to take on the image of man, and he's going to come and dwell amongst us. Jesus knew then that he was going to die a horrible death for you and I. He was prepared to pay that price so that he can open the door for a relationship between you and the Father between me and the Father, so that we can share in that relationship that Father and Son already shared, that glorious relationship. And that is the reason why he went. He came to pave the way. John 17, 22 to 23 says, I've given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That's a beautiful picture. Jesus is in us, he in the Father. He placed you in the one place in Jesus, where you can always commune with him. You can always have a relationship with him. And God said, and Jesus says, he's come to the same spirit that is in me is in you. And because we have the same spirit, we are one. We should dwell in unity. But my experience is that there is somewhere, sometimes, disunity amongst the people of God. And when he, they created us, they gave us their creativity, their imagination, their ability to dream. They promised they will walk with us, never leave us, never forsake us. And we are wired for needs that are beyond this physical world. We are wired for things that we ourselves don't even understand. 
Even when you were still in the world, I'm sure there was times that you keep running after things, keep running after things, keep getting things. It brings temporary satisfaction and joy and comfort. But when the novelty, novelty wears off, that dissatisfaction, that restlessness sets in again. And you wonder, what do I need to go again? Do this, do that, do that. Go here, go there. And it's all because that feeling that you have, that restlessness, that void, is that your soul is longing for the peace and presence of God. And only him can satisfy it. Only him. Because we were born with eternity in mind. So the things that we long for, it's never going to be satisfied with the world. Because it's a spiritual thing that we long for. It's a spiritual thing. Jesus said he has given us the glory that the Father has given him. You and I are God's glory carrier, his light bearers. But the enemy, he will keep enticing you with the things of the world. We are in a constant battle. There's a war raging on in the, on the inside of us. There's a, word, a, a war of words going on in your mind. You feel sometimes you are being pulled in different directions. Because the devil will try his hardest to break down your relationship with God. He, he doesn't want you to have that deep, meaningful relationship with him. He did it for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we're not different. So he will keep coming after you with lies, deceptions, deceit. You know, you can come through those doors every Sunday morning. And you can come and sit here, even stand here while we had this beautiful worship that we had this morning. And you won't even be moved by it. You won't choose to raise your hand. You won't choose to open your mouth because the devil is keeping you down. You know, you, we are, I believe we are all reborn Christians here. If there's not one that isn't, then I will, there will be opportunity for you to make that, take that step. But when we became the family of God, we, we, we became a new creation in Christ. You've been given a new nature. You still struggle with old habits, which you need to work on through the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you're going to allow that old habits to take hold of you in this new life that Jesus went to the cross to give you, you're going to lead a defeated life. So the devil will let you come in here, sit down, stand up, as they tell you to do, and go out again without being touched, without being moved. And 
And, and he's fine. He's fine with that. But let you come in here and you allow the Spirit of God to touch your heart. You allow the Spirit of God to bring change to your, to your life, to transform your mind, to renew your mind. And you open your heart to this indwelling Spirit of God. And you go home and you pursue that relationship with him. You go hard after him. And you allow God to use you as a vessel in his hand to work through you to reach other people, to bring other people into the kingdom. That is when the devil is going to come after you. But I want to tell you today, just in case you don't know, he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. But we all know his end. He himself knows his end. So don't give in to that. You are not the same person that you've been before. You don't have to go to the places that you've been going before. You don't need the things that you thought you need. You have Jesus. Because what you focus on, you give power to. Are you giving your power away to the devil? Are you giving it away? There's one thing that sometimes happens that we do give our power away. We don't truly know what the word says about who we are in Christ. And we allow the devil to fill our heads with lies. You know, and he will come and tell you, you're not good enough. You can't do that. You can't do the things God is calling you to do. You keep looking to other people to compare your life with him. But what you need to remember is, the only person that can tell you who you truly are, who, what, who your identity in Christ is, is the one who gave you life. The one who places his spirit on the inside you, who places his breath of life in you, who breathes that Ruach spirit in you. He is the one that has the authority to tell you who you are. So what do you believe about yourself today? Do you believe when God says you are accepted into the beloved, you adopted, you chosen, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, you've been qualified, redeemed, justified, and made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you live up to what God says you are? Or do you live down to, to what the devil say you are. You are God's craftsmanship. His workmanship. Everything you are on the inside, your personality, your character, and even on the inside, outside, how we look. Romy, you are the unique expression 
of God's creativity for your life. He made you the way you are because he knows the road you're going to travel on. There's no two people with the exact same DNA. DNA. You, we all unique. The other day I had lunch with a friend and we were just sharing, you know, as you do when women get, come together. Uh, and I, I was talking to her and I shared about my life. And I told her, she asked me, how old was I when I, we got married? I said I was 23, which was young. We were married for five months when Lionel was in an accident. And for, for, for a year, he was in and out of hospital. They tried to fix his intestines and they couldn't, and they try again. And yeah, it was just a terrible road that we have to, terrible, to be on. After about a year, I think, they sent him home. They said, okay, we're going to give your body a rest and we're going to try again in a few months' time. They sent him home with a colostomy bag. He was so frail. He was so weak. He couldn't help himself with that bag. We were still in our honeymoon phase of our marriage. And I had to nurse this man back to his health. At 24, I had to do all these things. At that point in time, I didn't think I would have the strength. But I did. I, I did what God wanted me to do in that situation. And when I was 29 years old, my mother got very sick with cancer. We had the twins at that stage, they were three years old. And our daughter was one year old. And it was expected, because of the culture that I grew up, that the, as the only girl in the family, I had to look after my mother. We had our own house. My parents did lived not far from us, about five minutes' walk from where we lived. So I had to look after my mother, care for my family, and hold down a full-time job. In the mornings, I would go there, get her out of bed, bathe her, get her ready for the day for when my auntie comes and look after her. Go back home so Lionel can go to work, get the children to the daycare, and then go work to work. And that was our life. And that evening, it was the same process. And it was in a time when we should have been out there enjoying ourselves. But our life has become caring for my mother for almost a year, I think. Eh? And when I was 36 years old, children were a little bit bigger by then. We went through the same process with my father with his cancer. I had to look after him, but fortunately at that time, we were able to take him in, in our house. And I cared for him there. I nursed him. I looked after him. And, you know, when this lady said to me, when we were, 
I was sharing this to, with her. She said to me, now I understand why you're such a strong person. And that made me think. And I never looked at myself as a strong person. Not physically, I mean, maybe physically, but not emotionally or even mentally strong. I saw myself as a very insecure, weak person. And I, I, I realize that the way God has created me was exactly for the road that I had to travel on. The twists and turns that my journey is going to take me on the road. He created me. I may not have thought that I will be strong enough to do that, but I did. By the grace of God, by, through his strength, I did what I had to do. And I realize we, we sometimes compare our lives with other people. We compare the gifting that's on our lives with the gifting that is on other people. The anointing that is on our life that is on other people. God has created you uniquely for your journey, for the road that you have to travel on. Stop skipping lanes. Stay in your lane. Because you, the person that you are, is for your life. Your life is unique as a child of God. There's a special anointing on Pastor Peter and Pastor Kara, but that is to understand, understandable because they're the pastors, they're the shepherds of this house. And sometimes we look at them and we say, oh, I wish I can do that, I wish I can do that. And that's fine to desire what anointing is on somebody else. And the Bible says he can come and lay his hand on you and impart the anointing on your life. But that is a measure of the gifting that God's going to give you. It's going to be a measure of faith that God's going to give you for the gifting that he has imparted. What is on his life, what is on her life, they had to pay a price for. They had to bow the knee. They had to surrender. They had to abide. If you're not prepared through willingness and obedience to, to pay the price, you're going to always have the measure. But God says, I've created you for fullness. And we may not live in that fullness in this side of the the grave, but we have to grow. We have to increase continually in that fullness. So what I'm trying to say, that we grow through relational learning. We grow through our relationship with, with Jesus, with the Father. We grow by making time for him. We grow by studying his word. We grow by abiding in him. We grow by praying his word over your life. By praying for your family. And 
sometimes we do struggle. But then we see our struggles as a weakness. Never see your weakness as a liability. God didn't create you to have liabilities. Look at your, your weakness as an opportunity, as a platform for God to display his strength in your life. Learn to align your life, your um, heart with what God says you are. Turn away from your circumstances, you know. Turn away from keeping focusing on what is going on. Don't let your circumstances and the urgency of a situation rob you of the importance of the peace and presence of God in your life. We're not denying what we're going through. We're not denying what's happening in our life. It's there, but that shouldn't be your focus. Your focus should be God. His gift to us is a covenant relationship with him. And he wants us to pursue that gift, to utilize it to the fullest. God's ways of thinking are designed to produce faith and trust within us. Because his nature is never changing. He never changed. James 1.17 says, he's the same. He's, he, he gives us good gifts from above. And he stayed constant. There's no shifting shadows in him. He's the same. And many times we study the, the word or we listen to a sermon and the truth comes out there. A truth that can help you to live a life of freedom. That can live, help you to live a life of joy. But if you don't encounter that truth for yourself, if you don't have an experience with that truth of God's word for your life, that truth is just going to remain a thought. It's just going to remain a concept. It's just going to remain here. It's when the truth of God's word comes here that we get transformed, that we get renewed. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's God who performs miracles, who always heals, who always provides. Because his nature is constant and unchanging. But sometimes we want to reduce the gospel to our understanding to our reasoning, to our logic. And the, 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 the gospel will never be able, to, we will never be able to understand it if we use our own finite mind. We have to use the wisdom of God to understand and to experience the goodness of God, to, to have those powerful encounters with God. Because God wants you to have a testimony. He wants your life to influence other people. But how is it going to influence other people if you don't have a testimony? So seek God so that he can create an experience in your life 
that brought renewing and victory in your life so that you can go out there and testify of the goodness of God. We have so many negative thoughts in our mind. You know, sometimes I have them. I, yeah, lots of times. <laughs> um, but I heard this phrase some time ago. I think we were still living in South Africa. The king, the kingdom of a king is where the king lives, where he resides. So whenever I feel down, depressed, or negative, you know, the, my situation becomes too much, I would declare over my life, I would say, hang on, Margaret, what's wrong with you? You have the king living on the inside. There's no sickness in your body. There's no lack in your life. Because the kingdom of God is on you, in you. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the gold and silver of this world belongs to him. So I will keep repeating and declaring these scriptures over my life until I feel a breakthrough in my spirit. Because I have refused and I have decided long time ago that I'm not going to live a defeated life. I'm not going to allow the devil to, to defeat me and bring me and minimize what Jesus has died, as we have heard to the earlier today, to give us. I'm not going to allow that. So I will take the word of God. I will keep declaring it over my life and over my family's life until I feel there's a shift in my spirit. And sometimes, you know, these things doesn't make sense to us. And in anything that Jesus did when he was on, in the earth hardly made sense to a lot of those people that followed him. But there were those that decided to choose to believe him, that he is the long-promised Messiah. And they believed him in everything that they say. And I'm thinking of this woman at the well in John 4. When he told her, come and drink of the everlasting waters. And if you drink of this waters, you will never thirst again. I wonder what was, went through her mind. It didn't make sense. But, but she decided to believe. And the revelation came. And the relationship came out of that decision to believe what the word of God says over her. There was a time that I went to a lady's house with another friend of mine. And um, I, d I didn't know this lady uh, we, we went there, and um, she made us a, a cup of tea. And I was quite intrigued by this, the things that this lady said. And, you know, she made us a cup of tea. She went to the fridge, and she opened the fridge, and she um, muttered something under her breath. And my friend said, excuse me, did you say something? And she turned around, smiling. She said, oh, I was just talking to Papa God. No, I was just reminding him that my fridge is on the blink. And I asked him, you know, to give me a new one. And, and I'm waiting for that fridge. And me being a new Christian, I was thinking, oh, 
how is God going to give this fridge to you? Is it God is it going to fall out of the sky? <laughs> you know, it didn't make sense to me. I was trying to figure out God and this lady's faith. I was trying to figure it out and, and reasoning it out with my own understanding. It was because the world teaches us, if it doesn't make sense, if there's not a, a logical outflow of things, it can't be true. But God works different. His ways are so much higher than our ways. So align, learn to align your life with what God says about you. And the beauty of it, we can never be disconnected from God. Sometimes we feel like today we had a beautiful service, worship. Um, we feel the presence of God. It was so tangible. And or we, we go to a conference and there's all the, you know, lights and everything. And the presence is so amazing, overwhelming. And we, we're all aware of it. And we go out of there and say, oh, that was amazing. I felt the presence of God. But when we go out, we, 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 that feeling starts to fade. That, and you, you think, oh, I can't feel God anymore. I don't feel God anymore. And you think, oh, I need another conference. I need another uh, retreat. I need this, I need that. God can never be disconnected from you. He's with you wherever you go. What you do lose is your awareness of his presence. And that what is what we need to cultivate. The awareness of his presence in our life. Don't go one minute without being aware that he's with you. Without being aware that his hand is upon you. That he goes before you. He walks beside you. He forms the rear guard in his hand is upon you. Don't lose that awareness. Don't lose the awareness that he loves you. That he is so passionate in love with you. That he wants you to come to a place of victory, of joy, of freedom. Through a relationship with him. Because like I said, he placed you in Jesus. It's the one place that we will always Know his voice. It's the one place that we will always feel his presence. Don't allow negativity, fear and doubt to rob you from a life of freedom and joy. Negative thoughts, fear and doubt comes from the enemy. And when you give into those emotions and feelings, it will consume you and it will change your countenance. Now, here's the thing. We know that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. But when we give into those negative thoughts and feelings and emotions, those wrong beliefs, who do you serve? Because the Holy Spirit and the devil can't coexist in you. You have to, to choose who you want to serve. Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose for yourself this day, this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, 
we will serve the Lord. Are you squandering the gift of righteousness? Are you still bound by sin? Sin that keeps you from living a free and overcoming life as a son of daughter of God. Today God is saying to you, enter my rest. Receive my peace and allow Holy Spirit to bring change to your life. He will give you the desire to want to live a righteous life. He can give you the power to overcome, to raise above your limited understanding and bring revelation of who you are in Christ. God longs to give us his life, his love. He already gave us his life. His love, his peace, his joy, his goodness, his kindness. So just open your heart and receive. Drink from the never-ending fountain of life. Come and quench your thirst in the presence of God. He's standing with open arms today, ready to receive you and to give you rest. Today, I want to ask you to stand with me because I want to declare this over your life. If you can stand with me, please. He's standing with open arms, ready to receive you, to give you rest. Today, stand firm and declare, you are a citizen of heaven. You have been established. You are, uh, you are a citizen of heaven. You have been established, anointed and sealed by God. You are hidden with Christ in God. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You can find grace and mercy in time of need. You are born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. You are significant. You are the salt and light of the earth. You are a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. You have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. You are a personal witness of Christ. You are a minister of reconciliation. He is your ever father. He, you are his child. You belong to him. So keep abiding in him. Keep abiding with one another. We are family. His family. You have been bought and paid for by his blood. Make your life count. Enjoy what he died for to give to you. So while the, the team is going to minister to us through worship, I want you to come before God. Open your heart. If you need to repent of the wrong believing beliefs, if you do have to repent of the fear and the doubt and negativity that is in your life, of not believing God who we say you are, I want you to do that. And let the Spirit of God minister to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.